0: Welcome back to another episode of Monday Morning Boilers. I'm Connor, joined as always by Chris. Uh, this is a big week. We we um, we didn't record last week because of the bye week, uh, so apologies for that. But we're back at it again, celebrating a boiler victory down on the road in Champaign against the Fighting Illini. We got a lot to talk about. We're gonna hit the the, the dominant performance that we've seen from Purdue. On the football field over this three-game winning streak, mainly talking about Illinois. We've got big basketball news. Uh, Chris, you were you were actually at the scrimmage. I, I could not make it because some of us have to have to work on the weekends, but you were there. So we'll we'll get your thoughts, your reaction. We'll kind of start to to begin the prep for for talking about the the Big Ten basketball for the Purdue basketball season upcoming. It's going to be a a different year, I think expectations uh, considerably different than they have been in years past, uh, playing styles, things like that we'll get into. And then we'll also talk about uh, this the big game coming up this this Saturday with uh, a, a highly ranked Ohio State team coming into ross Aid. It's a primetime game under the lights. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. So thanks for, for tuning in, as always. We're, we're glad for all of our loyal listeners out there. We appreciate Taking time out of your day, there are a lot of podcasts out there that you could be listening to, and the fact that you choose to put some of your time into into listening to to you and I talk, it certainly makes makes us feel good. Makes us feel like we're not just (laughs) yapping at each other for no reason. So, without any further ado, let's get into last week's game. This was past Saturday's game on the road against Illinois, a forty six to seven victory. Moves the Boilermakers to three and three on the air, two and one in conference. And, you know, Dad, the, it was just, it was
1: as dominant of a
0: performance as we've seen in probably, what, eight years at Purdue when it comes to football?
1: Uh, uh yeah. Yeah. Certainly going back to.
0: Well, maybe, well, I mean, maybe there, the there may have been
1: game. a game during the Danny Hope era that was similar, uh, but yeah, they, they dominated in every phase. I mean, yeah. all three phases, they were. And what, and what, you know, what a neat thing to see because, you know, it's a young team. Like we talked about before Nebraska, right? With a young team, uh, traveling and, and what it does with your week and how do you adjust to that, and you know, et cetera. Okay. So, and obviously they passed that test fairly well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so this game from a coaching standpoint, right? From a guy that was not a great coach, but understands the rhythms of that thing a little bit. Uh, how do you, React coming off a bye week with the young team. How do young kids handle, you know, stepping away from a week and that routine? And, um, boy, they did it without a hitch, didn't they? They were were impressive. Uh, Yeah. Obviously not a great Illinois squad and a lot of problems in Champaign. But got to be impressed with how the young players uh, responded to a bye week and really came out hitting on all cylinders.
0: Well, and I think that this week is just another instance yeah I think and I think a lot of Purdue fans know this. This is such an unbelievable coaching staff. You know you look at before the bye week, they're on the road against Nebraska, and they have all sorts of issues on defense trying to slow down Adrian Martinez, who's a mobile guy who's got a good arm, you know he racked up what, 400, <laughs> 500 yards of offense by himself yeah between between passing and rushing yeah. and, and I think that there were a lot of people who thought you look at a j Bush Bush isn't a great thrower of the football, but he is a six-floor, big-time athlete who has a lot of good instincts on the ground. You know, that could have been – that That was certainly if Illinois was going to hang around in this game. They were going to have to run the ball offensively. And uh, looking at the final stats from the game, 31 carries for 69 yards. That's 2.2 yards a carry. The longest run was, was 13 yards. I, I mean, the defense was just dominant.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't expect a Lovey Smith team to roll up huge yards offensively, and everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. You know, when Coach Smith was having success in the NFL, um, they always got points off of special teams, and they and they usually got points off turnovers with the defense, right? Like, I don't know what Levy Smith would have done without Devin Hester, who's arguably the most prolific kick returner in the history of the nfl right right and uh, frankly they don't win a lot unless they have thanks briggs Erlacher, and devin hester because their offense his offense is never high powered but even using the lens of a, Lo- a lovey smith offense what Purdue's defense did to them was impressive i mean 180 yards in air and 69 yards on the ground i mean they just stifled them. Just yeah well, I mean- him.
0: You look at a guy like you look at two guys in the backfield, along with Bush, Reggie Corbin, and Mike Epstein, and this was a pretty formidable rushing attack coming into into this game. I mean, they weren't great, you know, they weren't dominant, but but they were respectable because they had three guys in the backfield that could could get it done. Reggie Corbin had had really been a source a spark offensively for the Illini as a freshman. He had six carries for twenty yards. Mike Epstein had one carry for ten yards, and I think that it's not just the num—it's not just like the the average yard per carry. It's the fact that Reggie Corbin, who's arguably the best freshman back in the conference, got six carries, and that was it.
1: Like, yeah, the- come on, Purdue oh, come totally took it. This is Division One Big Ten football, okay. Yeah. You should probably be able to roll up more than 300 yards and seven points. Uh, you know, it's not Saturday morning CYO ball, okay? I mean, so what the Boilers did to them is pretty impressive, man. Yeah. They, they, they humbled them.
0: Well, and the other thing, um, in the passing game, or, you know, just defending the pass, you take away Reggie Corbin's 52-yard catch yeah that, i yeah. mean they
1: threw for a hundred and
0: yards like they they didn't a, a j bush didn't
1: do anything
0: didn't do anything. Uh,
1: they did i thought purdue did a nice job with some scheming things again and they're going to kind of that Danny easy Chukou, you know role with uh uh you know with Barnes. where and, and, and even i think uh you know bailing a Couple other guys, you know, where to bring an extra rusher because they put they put some pressure on him. Yeah, you know, he didn't he didn't have all day to sit back there and try to make decisions and figure out what to do. So defensively, they're great. Hey, look, offensively um, against the vaunted Tampa two, um, wow, they were impressive as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, here's and
0: here's the deal: is you can tell the schemes in place with Jeff Brom. His offense mm-hmm. is in place. Now it's just a matter of continuing to add big-time athletes and weapons to this offense. We've seen what Rondell Moore has been able to do, and he's just one guy. Now you start. Now, if you start to add two or three Rondell Moore-caliber players,
1: I mean, hey, good, good lord. Hey, Zico was good. Zico was great. Zico yeah, had hey. five, five catches, 127 yards, and two DDs.
0: Yeah, Isaac Zico is, has been uh, – and this this goes to to why Jeff Brom is such a great offensive coach because what they have figured out is that they know teams are going to double Rondell Moore. They're going to bracket him. They're going to roll the safety over. So what they're doing is they're specifically game planning where we're going to get Isaac Zico, Jared Sparks, Terry Wright, Jarrett Burgess, and Bryson Hopkins and Cole Herdman in favorable matchups where it's one-on-one and we're going to say our guys are better than
1: yours yeah i haven't, I haven't been able to find the statistic i'd be i'd be curious as to what it is i'd be interested but the yards after catch i think has ratcheted up noticeably in the last three weeks you know, i know everybody loves the, the, the anter kid you know he's a great program kid he's a solid you know citizen all that stuff but the reality is is yeah, he's probably not athletic enough to play at that level, right? And certainly, if he can manage to get open, he rarely does he get yards after the catch. I mean, he led the team in receiving last year, if I remember correctly. Yes. he's kind of a footnote this year, right? And the difference is it's Zico and certainly more and, and even Terry Wright, who you know did, didn't have a bad day. I mean, they're making the catch, but they're getting yards after the catch. And I think to your point, a lot of that is the offensive strategy. It's what coach is doing to get them in space, right?
0: Yeah. Where they can
1: make a, where they can make a play after the catch. And, uh, that, that was his trend at Western Kentucky, uh-huh. you know, and I think it's his trend here at Purdue as well. Boy, when you start to then put in some pieces to the puzzle that are, you know, you know like the Moore kid, it may be even better. Woo, yeah, you're right. That could be a lot of fun, man. It
0: could be yeah. a lot of fun. Well, and and I think the other thing um, yesterday that was different than any offensive performance that we've seen, even just under Jeff Brom in, in the two seasons, it was how balanced the attack was. I mean, they had mm. two. They had mm. 227 yards rushing, and that includes
1: David Bauer running for negative 15 yards. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so, Markel and DJ, yeah, good, good point, man. Hey, DJ and Markel both averaged over 8 yards a carry. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did you, you know that?
1: Did you Did you realize that?
0: Yeah, I'm seeing it right now. DJ Knox had 8.8, 8 and Markel was at 8 on the dot.
1: Yeah. I mean, Markel gets 7 carries for 56 yards, and a, and a score. And DJ, who runs hard. Oh, my, he runs hard. And yes. clearly, clearly, to me at least, for whatever that's worth, probably, you know, and a cup of coffee down at the corner, Diner, but DJ benefited from the buy because I thought he looked fresh. Mm -hmm. His legs looked fresh, man. I mean, that dude, he he hits the tackler before the tackler hits him. Yeah, it's like the old Water Payton thing, and... You know, seventeen for one hundred and fifty and eight point eight—that's absolutely stellar. Both those guys are running hard. Eight eight yards of carry. You combine that with three hundred and seventy plus yards passing from Blau, yeah. who for what the third game in a row has just been stellar. This is the best he's ever played his whole career.
0: Yes, and, and the one interception that he threw—a tremendous, yeah. a tremendous play by the line line corner.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, the
0: ball was a little underthrown. If we're nitpicking. But I mean, come on! Like he he makes a diving play, knocks it up into the air, and, and it's picked off by the safety. Like, okay, whatever.
1: There's just some trends, Connor. I think um, starting to uh, manifest themselves here with this team that are, are really encouraging and are, are not happenstance or serendipity. I mean, it's clearly a conscious thing on the on the staff's part, and it's a function of what they're teaching. You know, I mean. All the kids over at Curran would tell you that the sample size is not large enough, right, between last season and now this season mm-hmm. to figure out what Jeff Brom's, you know, scheme is. And, uh, I mean, clearly, they, they're they going to roll up big yards. They're going to put big points on the board. They're explosive plays. Um Both Moore and Zico averaged over 25 yards a catch in that game. <laughs> It was that's 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 Madden NFL football type stuff, right? I mean, that's kind yeah. of like doing PlayStation, uh, and and that's what you saw at Western, right? It, remind me, because you would know better than I do. But his last year at Western Kentucky, he had two thousand yard receivers and a thousand yard running back. Is that right? Yeah. So they had um, they had a four thousand yard
0: passer and Mike White. Yeah. Um, they had a thousand yard back. And then 2,000-yard wide receivers, including, uh, I believe, Tyshawn Taylor is his name. He plays for the uh, Titans yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so this is this is Coach Brom's thing. This is what he does. You know, we're in year two of, of them, and their system's in, and the kids are getting with it. Obviously, Zico figures, has figured it out. The jump ball he goes up for and pulls down for the touchdown is, uh, is you know, showing, physically showing that he's finally figured out what they want him to do, you know, because that was yes. just effort. That was just effort. That's all it was. Well, um,
0: and the thing that I think would shock everyone, shocked me when I pulled it up before we recorded We're Going On Air, uh, we've talked about the big playability from Rondell Moore, but uh, right now Isaac Zico is averaging
1: 20 yards a catch. He can take the top off the of defense, man. Yeah. Dude, the dude's not slow. Now let's get Terry Wright with the gig. Oh, well, Terry Wright had three catches, I think, right? Yeah. Um, let's get Terry Wright in the mix. And now all of a sudden, hey, you got to cover some guys, man. Well, and, and I th- throw throw Hopkins in there for a little flavor and game on. I mean, offensively, they are they're right where they need to be. Yeah. Good well, stuff. you just you
0: just you just took uh you just took you took me to my next point the the guy who has really taken advantage outside of Zico of the emergence of Rondell Moore has been Bryson
1: Hopkins. Yeah, still has a critical drop here and there. I think he loses focus sometimes. Yeah, but I mean uh, you want to talk you want to talk about What NFL... year what year is he? Remind me
0: uh, year is, a, is he? I think he's a junior.
1: Hang on, let okay, me Okay, so there's still some time for him. But you want to talk about NFL body. And, and yeah, he's NFL... a big dude. He's a big dude. He's got good hands. I don't. I don't think the drops are because of his hands. I think his drops are because he starts to
0: run before he catches the ball. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. I I mean, but he just he he is a menace in the middle of the field. He's a big man, and um, (laughs) you know, Rondell continuing just to do what Rondell does: four catches for 101 yards. Uh, You know,
1: he just is there a better freshman in the country? Not. I mean, I'm biased, but I would tell you
0: no. Well, I mean, we all, I
1: mean, that's that's why we're doing this show. Yeah, I would I – mean, Yeah, I, we're both I mean, biased, but, I mean, honestly, is there a no. better freshman? No. Is there? I don't think so. I Certainly not more dude, explosive. Who is that dude, if there is? I don't know. I can't think of one. I mean, this guy, through six games, man, he's been nothing less than – I mean, he's all conference, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's on – he's a – we're, what, through six
0: games, so we're at the halfway point. I mean, he's on pace for a 1,000 yards and 90 catches right now
1: with ten, elite tu- with,
0: with, with 10 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, that's pretty elite company, you know. I mean, so, got to keep him injury-free, obviously. Takes a lot of hits. to Get a lot of hats on him. Yeah, but... Well, offensively they look fantastic, and then defensively can't say enough about what they're doing. thought Cornell Jones was really good. Of course, the Thineman kid um, continues to just astound me with what he can do. He's got the heart of a lion. Seven tackles, he had a sack, you know. And it's, him like and we his brother. We were talking both of them. Both we them. Got on. Like, you never want your safety legion tackles, right? Because, you know, it usually means you're not very good, but because of how they're utilizing him that really that doesn't hold true here. Yeah, cuz they're they're moving him around on the field and doing some stuff with him.
0: Well, and I think his brother has been really good as well and, and it will continue to get more play because
1: I you know, right. I I think when we get it, to, when we get to the OSU part of this bit, uh, this is going to be important, right? Okay, well, we won't, we won't
0: give it all. Because Dwayne Haskins yet. is
1: a, is a man. So, uh, we'll talk about our defensive backs and our safeties here momentarily. So, yeah, hey, I, I, I would be, I'd be curious. Uh, Kenny Major and Antonio Blackman, um, oftentimes maligned by the, uh, five dollar experts in the stands. Um, you and I, included. pretty good again. Well, yeah, I've been guilty of that at times, certainly with Antonio. Um, I'd give Kenny more of a pass because he's a young guy in he's learning, but. Uh, they weren't bad. No. They weren't bad at all. I mean Kenny Kenny Major three interceptions leads the team right now.
0: Right, right. And I think I I I don't know this for certain. I'm I'm pretty sure that Kai Higgins still has more interceptions than Sacks right
1: now. Kai Higgins which, has got uh, he's yeah, he does, man. He's got one <laughs> sack and two picks, I think.
0: Which isn't isn't exactly what you'd like to see. But you know, Touching on I don't him, know. You know. The
1: two picks is impressive. Man. Maybe we need to make him a tight end. He's got hands. <laughs>
0: he's got a – he's actually – I'm looking at the stats right now. Through six games, he's got two picks in a pass breakup, mm-hmm. which is um, mm-hmm. is, is pretty good.
1: Okay, so if memory serves me right, I believe that Antonio Blackman leads us in tackles. Um, is that right? Who's leading the team in tackles?
0: Deniman. Uh, Deniman's Deniman is leading is in tackles. tackles. Bailey, he has 45. He has four and a half tackles for a loss and three sacks as a safety.
1: Uh, yeah, Thineman does. Okay, but so you can't say as has a safety, though, because I'll argue this passionately. It's, it, because of the way they're moving him around, he doesn't play the traditional safety role.
0: No, well, he, and, he, he and, is. And so he's
1: not going to have a traditional safety statistics, right? Because they're utilizing him in a different fashion.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you say that, but he also
1: leads the team in pass
0: breakups right now too. He's well, he's tied for first.
1: Okay. Um, so that, so that I, could that could that could say a lot of things. It could also say something about our defensive backs. It could. Um,
0: <laughs> one guy that one guy that you and I both noted uh, watching the end of the game that got in that they got some run, which is great for moving forward long term. Uh, Corey Tri or uh, yeah, Corey Trice— is a yeah. monster physically.
1: So that, I think they're. You, you, we've talked about this over dinner over there in Lafayette a couple nights uh, with this four game, and then you can still cheer the kid type deal. Uh, that's what they're doing with him, right? They're like mm-hmm. they're test driving him, are they not?
0: Yeah, yeah. They're this. I mean, I, I thought in the coaching staff, which it's refreshing because it, not only at Purdue but just in general, coaching staffs usually aren't super truthful. Uh, to the media and, and to the public when talking about kind of what they, their plans are. But I think. Well, let's be
1: clear. Let's be clear about that. The the staff is under no obligation to write somebody's story for them. No,
0: no, 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 no. I'm not, <laughs> okay. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they should, but, but. Like they, they, they
1: get paid to win. I give content to the, to the media, man. <laughs> right.
0: I, uh, yes, you are correct. But they have been pretty open about they we're not going to throw guys out there that they didn't feel like we're ready.
1: And yeah, they have. You, you're right. They have. They've been very, very candid about that. That was that was the point I was trying to get to. So I thought he, you know, the few reps he got, I thought he was fine.
0: Yeah, that that is more about experience for him. Jalen Alexander, who is a linebacker, who more than likely will be the guy that steps in for Marcus Bailey after this season, got got in, got some play, and he has played right. in. I'm looking at it. Jalen Alexander has played in his four games.
1: So now. So they said so it's decision time on him, isn't it? Right. So now you're trying yeah. to figure out whether or not you want to keep
0: playing him. Uh, Robert McWilliams has also played uh, his four games. Willie Lane and Elijah Ball, two freshmen, have played yeah. two.
1: Yeah, see, I think Elijah Ball is going to be really good. I think, you know, for the four people who listen to this podcast, I'm telling you guys remember that name. Elijah yes. Ball is going to be a ball player for the, for the Boilers in the next three to four years. Well,
0: I think the thing that the thing that I'm most intrigued about Elijah Ball, and this is because just doing the kind of the media stuff that, that I've, in my background, uh, working in Indy, I saw him play a couple times last year at Ben Davis. <clears throat> Yeah, he was
1: he's, play, he's he, legit. He's legit.
0: Right. And he was playing a lot of safety. So what I think okay. he allows you to do is you've got – I think that they would like him to take over Smiley's role within the scheme of the offense – or the defense, rather.
1: Okay, so he reminds me physically, right?
0: hmm
1: And I'm going to throw this name out, and then I'm gonna, I just want to hear your reaction. He physically reminds me of Bernard Pollard.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: 'Cause that That's dude could hit like a ton of bricks, man. And you know, Bernard Pollard could have been a linebacker, but he was athletic enough he could cover. And yeah. I I really ball is that type of player. And I'm telling you right now, I don't think there'd be anybody that would argue we wouldn't think of Bernie Pollard right now.
0: No, no, not at all. I think yeah. um you know, you just you and I have had this conversation a number of times. You just look even right now, as it stands with the defense. You look at the young guys; they just physically look different than anything that has been, yeah, yeah. been yeah. on the, uh, yeah, been on the field. I mean, you look at a guy like Giovanni Revere, right? And Gio- yeah. Giovanni is has not, I don't think, maybe produced at the level stats wise that the coaching staff would like. But he's a redshirt freshman. We I mean, talk about six five two two seventy dude, who just—that's the first guy you want coming off the bus. Corey Trice is probably the second dude. <laughs> Hey, Corey, Corey let's Tresch be honest.
1: The Karloftis kid gets here next year. Giovanni Revere is probably playing backup. Giovanni's going
0: to – yeah. It, but here's the thing, right, is that that's the ultimate goal is that, that you you have such great depth that a guy like Giovanni – or even even vice versa. Like, you know, may, there's no guarantee that George is can is going to come in and start day one. He's
1: uh, going to play. He may, not, he may not start. He's going to play. But he may not yeah, start. Absolutely, he's a, he's going to be a huge disruptive force on the line, man. He he's an, an athlete. athlete. He's a, he's a, he's a specimen.
0: I think that, um,
1: and you and I are
0: we're not going to do a ton of recruiting talk because neither of us mm-hmm. are uh, scouts and don't follow this. But um, I'm going to football. probably i'm going to i'm going to butcher his last name, and I do apologize if he ever listens to this. Uh, King D'Or, I think is his name, the running back from Texas that just committed this week. Yeah, he did. That's another – that's a huge steal. To get him out of Texas, I think right. that's think that's a, a big-time coup this late in the recruiting cycle for the Boilmakers.
1: Well, so certainly things were great this weekend. There's not a lot to talk about. It was such a dominant performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the trend, the upward trend is unbelievable. Um, and, you know, and there's great things to come, but you know, Illinois is not a good program right now. They're not. No, they I, was, I was really more interested to see how our guys handled the mental side of preparation coming off the buy. Mm-hmm. You know, and would they be ready to roll? I mean, I tell you what, they came out rocking on every note <laughs> from the go and, uh, yeah, the staff's got them, got them, got them going, man. So that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun down the rest of the length of the schedule here. Yeah, let's let's jump into next week. Let's let's yeah. do it. All right, let's talk right. about Ohio
0: State coming in. You want to talk yep. about a team that has not looked super sharp? Um, really, the last couple of weeks. I mean, the, against IU two weeks ago, and then this week against Minnesota. I mean, the 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 score would not um is not indic- indicative of of the flow of the game. I think they ended up winning 30 to 14 or something like that. But Minnesota has a pa- passing offense that's about as lethal as a, a high school passing attack that well, they, certainly, yeah, they, they can't throw the effect. ball. They can't throw the ball. No, I mean, they, t- no they, they don't. They just they cannot throw the ball. Um but even still they were able to run the ball. And I, I think that I think Purdue fans are getting a little too a little too amped up, talking a little too much about it being a, a a trendy upset pick. I don't, I'm not quite ready to get there yet, but I, I do think that Jeff Brom and, and Nick Holt can scheme up some things that uh, that could could be problematic for. So uh, let's for the talk Buckeyes.
1: about Ohio State as the opponent, and then I would be really interested, as I'm sure at least you know one or maybe even two, if we count your mom. Uh, of our of our listeners about what you think we got to do to beat Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, maybe three. I maybe three. You, maybe three people up. Maybe, maybe. So let's talk about OSU. What 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 what's the uh, for our listeners? What uh, what's the uh, what's the deal on it on on OSU? What do they do? Well, um, they're they're gonna they're gonna try to
0: out athlete everybody. They I mean, if you if you follow football. Uh, You know that they, that Urban Meyer is recruiting at a unbelievable rate. They're a top three recruiting team class, you know, every year. Offensively, they're off to a great start. I just pulled up the Big Ten standings. They have, uh, they're averaging 46 points a game right now. They've got 44 touchdowns through seven games. They, they're efficient. Dwayne Haskins is probably the best. Quarter true quarterback prospect that has been at Ohio State in a long time.
1: He's got back to back 400 yard games. Is that right?
0: Yes, and and, and he, went, I,
1: he went for four twelve and three TDs last weekend. I mean, he's the a thing, man. He's a the, man. He's a thing, sophomore. He's a man. Yeah,
0: and I think the thing that a lot of people you look at an Urban Meyer type team at least historically. And then you also look at just what Ohio State has had in star power at that position. If you're not accustomed to, if you, if you're not following Ohio State football at all, you're, and you just are familiar with Urban's work, you're probably thinking Dwayne Haskins is a Terrell Pryor, Braxton, or JT Barrett type. No, this, this dude, this dude's going to stand in the pocket and, and he is going to rip passes all over the field. He's a legitimate NFL prospect.
1: I, bingo! Right there. There you go. You just nailed it. Because I tell you what, all those other guys you just named, right—Cordell Jones, Pryor, um, Braxton Miller—none of those guys were NFL quality quarterbacks. Not a single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this dude is this. This guy will play quarterback on Sundays, and, and will be pretty effective for somebody. He's good. He's really good. He is. He is, he is unlike what they've had. He is. He. Truthfully, is
0: the difference in that team being a New Year's Six uh, type bowl team and them being in the College Football Playoff? Yeah, I wouldn't like like he like he he can make he can take them to that
1: elite, you know, the upper echelon level.
0: He is so
1: yeah, because their defense isn't stellar.
0: No, their defense is, and this is probably the worst kept secret in. In the Big Ten, and certainly across the country, right now, they are not a great defensive team. Uh, they have given up; they've surrendered a lot of yards through the air. Fifteen hundred yards in seven games. I mean, they—they've—they yeah. struggled. They're—they're they're in the—they're about in the middle of the pack as far as how uh, you know going against teams. You know, they give up a lot of yards per play. Um, there was a lot I watched a little bit of the uh the Minnesota Ohio State game on Saturday and there there was a lot of space in the middle of the field for Ohio State or for Minnesota. Minnesota moved the ball pretty effectively and Minnesota's offense,
1: as I scroll back up here.
0: Yeah, Minnesota's offense currently only ahead of
1: Rutgers, um, which is not exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not great company to be keeping. So yeah, as they yeah. are zero and four in the conference. Okay, so what are the keys? What are three keys if we're gonna? You know, this is a potential statement win for Coach Brom and the program. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, this a, a win against Ohio State at home would send uh, the collective boiler fandom into an euphoria that um, they may never recover from. Uh, what has to happen. Top three things gotta happen for the Boilers to have a, a puncher's chance in this thing. Well in I think right, yeah, right off the bat, offense gotta take care of football. Okay.
0: Um, you know, David Blau has has been able to avoid turning the ball over a lot, which is something that he has had troubles with in years past. A lot of credit to him for, for yeah. finding a way to To take care of that, so they have to so, take care of the football. I think they're going to be able to score. I I really do. I think they're going to be able to score the ball quite a bit um, against Ohio State's defense. And then against uh, against the Buckeyes when they've got the ball, you have to find a way to slow the running game down. Uh, you can't allow them to have balance. If if J.K. Dobbins and and those guys are able to to get something going offensively, that's going to be Problematic. Uh, Mike Weber is another guy who who's gonna who's a good player, but you know I look, I'm looking at the stats. Uh, Dwayne Hassan's only carried the ball 30 times this year, so he's not going to run a lot. They have to No, this,
1: this is not this is not the Ohio State you know quarterback athlete at quarterback like we like we talked about those other three guys. This is this guy's a legit more pro style. Conventional kind of quarterback. Yeah, I mean he's got 28 passing touchdowns. He's only thrown four picks, so he he takes
0: care of the ball. But I think that the third and final key is going to be you have to find a way to get get him to make mistakes.
1: You got to okay. force him
0: to to throw the ball quicker than he wants. Try to pressure him. He's not very. When you watch him play, it's not just that he's a a, a pro stand in the pocket quarterback. He's not very mobile. Like he okay. cannot move effective like that well down the
1: field. So 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 for for brevity's sake, the three keys are take care of the football, stop the running game, get pressure on Dwayne Haskins.
0: Okay. I think those are the three keys.
1: Okay. Well, I certainly wouldn't argue with number one. I think like I said it in one of the previous two shows, it's it's funny in any sport played with a ball. Uh, ball security is critical, right? And we can mm-hmm. go right down the list with any of them, right? So it's certainly true in football, right? Yep. A team that takes care of the ball best typically wins. Basketball, no doubt, it's the case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then even in sports play with the ball, you wouldn't think about, right? So uh, you think about volleyball, right? Yep. a sport that you covered and had many conversations with Coach Shondell about balls. You know, taking care of the ball and ball security critical heck even in golf right my sport of choice right mm-hmm. taking care of the ball would be defined as don't hit it out of bounds yeah you know I mean it's the whole fairways and greens mentality um, so uh, yeah absolutely I think you're right um, take care of the ball we've got to we have our margin of error is very small if it's almost zero and so ball security falls under that in my mind then I would differ with you a little bit here on the next two because you were really Ohio. State-centric, and I would take a slightly different slant on that, and talk about what does Purdue have to, to do, right? As opposed to, you know, what's Purdue need to accomplish versus what they need to try and prevent Ohio State from accomplishing, right? Ken okay. um, Kenny Major, Antonio Blackman, Thineman, um, that whole crew in the defensive backfield are going to have to be really good. They're mm-hmm. going to have to be solid. Uh, they cannot allow. Uh, Paris Campbell, KJ Hill, you know some of these guys to to just go nuts and run free back there because Dwayne Haskins is a good enough quarterback that he will cut you up and and he's going to get time. I mean, he's going to have time to make reads and make decisions. He's only been sacked eight times this year, okay? So yeah. Ohio State's line gives him plenty of time, and they've got skilled guys at the receivers, so. What that means is this, is we're not going to get up kind of the pass rush that maybe we've gotten accustomed to here the last two to three games. That's going to put a lot of pressure on Antonio and Kenny. They're going to have to be good because they're going to be out there on an island a little bit with those guys. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I would say, for me, I agree with your first one. Yeah, take care of the ball. We, we can't we can't hurt ourselves. Second one is, uh, man, I hate to put it on Kenny, and I hate to put it on Antonio again, but, boys, you got to be good. And, and here's a little one, a little out of left field. And it's not something we've seen a ton this year. I think in order to win this game, we're going to have to score points with special teams. Okay. We're yeah. going to we're have to get a score from a non-traditional and non, an unusual way, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody's going to have to take it back on a kick. Or we're gonna get or we're gonna have to get I mean I would even lump in a pick for a six yeah I mean we're gonna need something to create some offense and some points that levels the playing field a little bit because the reality is the town level is not equal it's quite disparate and yeah. uh we're gonna need to help ourselves uh in all three phases and that means special teams are gonna have to get something done so we're gonna if we're gonna win we're gonna need to see something you know somebody's gonna pull Take a punt back. Somebody's yes. going to take a kick back. I I think that your point... Well, I, I, don't, think, I don't believe we, we... Have we done that this year? Has no, anybody returned I, one? No,
0: no. And Ron Rondell's going to probably be the most likely candidate to do so. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, you'd say, right? I mean... Right. If we're going to pull this off and get this quote-unquote statement W, yeah, yeah you're going to need, need that. Some speci- we need some special teams help. And then we be, we got to be mistake-free. I, I like your...
0: Your points, especially about special teams, I think that Nick Holt is going to be in the office drawing up all sorts of exotic looks to throw at a,
1: a young quarterback. Who, he is a sophomore, so he's on. And he's a first-year right. starter. He's a first he year. Yeah, you're right. He is. I mean, he's seven games into.
0: Really, his only. Because I, because I think you hit it on. You hit the nail on the head. The, the talent disparity is there's a there's a gap. And I think that there are maybe only two or three teams in the country that have the talent comparable to what Ohio State has across the board. So if you're going to ask your corners to, to play man coverage all night, you're going to get get beat. You're going to have to generate pressure somehow, and that's going to start with your front line trying to get a push. But if they can't do that, it's going to be Cornell Jones, Marcus Bailey, Thineman, uh you know, Derek Barnes, all those guys coming off of exotic blitzes and angles and different looks, trying to force Haskins to make a mistake. Because if they can't do that, if he does not turn the ball over, they won't beat them. The only way that they're going to yeah. beat Ohio State is if he throws two or three. You know, if he makes a couple mistakes.
1: Well, he's not going to throw two or three. No, but if, but if, he, throws, if he throws one. He's got eight. four picks. He's only got four picks on the year. I know I know I mean he he makes good decisions for a couple of reasons one he's good but I mean the dude's good right but two yeah. he's, he's got good. all kinds of time to make a read
0: yes and he's got yeah. talent he's got the type of athletes out on the perimeter where 50 50 balls they win a lot yeah they're 50 they 50 yeah. balls
1: well no, that's those the guys Zico. Zico. you know the secret thing we're talking about the jump ball in the end zone he goes up and just fights for it and gets it you know their guys win those battles all the time. Their guys mm-hmm. also make one-handed catches down the seam, too, which was that pretty was, impressive. Oh, my gosh. K.J. Hill,
0: that was an unbelievable catch. If you have not yes. seen – if you're listening and you have not seen that play, go ahead. You go, gotta, to U, go to YouTube uh, and, and YouTube yeah. K.J. Hill one-handed catch against Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. good that's good lord. That was an
1: unbelievable grab. That was pretty impressive. So, so, yeah, all right, so we're in agreement on take care of the ball, which is true in any sport and almost every week. And yeah. then a little different takes on maybe the other two. Um, it's an opportunity, absolutely.